0: For me, I'm always looking at the root, the underbelly, sometimes the dark underbelly. What is going on that so many adults and so many children are compulsively getting pulled into more and more of a life that looks like it exists on a screen and less a life that is counterbalanced by connection with humans in offline and playing outdoors and building and cooking and painting and dancing.
1: Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's podcast. I am so excited to talk with a dear friend of mine today because it is about a hot, hot topic. I don't think I can go a single day in one of my memberships, on Facebook, on one of my communities without hearing something about Electronics. My kid won't get off electronics. They're on electronics too long. They are doing electronics and they're doing things that maybe they shouldn't be doing on electronics. And it's stressing parents out and I think it's also stressing the kids out. So I'm really excited to have this guest on today to talk about this hot topic of electronics battles and how we can support our kids during these modern times and during um, during these struggles. So I'd like to welcome on Susan Stuffelman. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Very glad to be here, Dana. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. We finally met um, on, you know... Finally, after all these years of being in the same space, it was so cool just a couple of weeks ago. And you were telling about me about something you were really, really excited about, and it was around tech. So we're going to be diving into that today. But first, can you tell all of our listeners a little bit about yourself and then maybe why this is such an important topic to you? Sure. So
0: I've been a family therapist, marriage and family therapist for, gosh, 35 35- years. Years plus, and before that I was a teacher. I've worked with kids the entirety of my life. And and it's my joy, it's my passion. I I deeply believe that when we look at how we can improve the world or save the world, it has to do with the the children we're raising and who they will be as they become the leaders of the next generation. So I'm very passionate about. I wrote a book called Parenting Without Power Struggles. I then wrote a book called Parenting with Presence with Eckhart Tolle's imprint. And I love doing collaborations. I love your book, by the way. Congratulations. That's just a huge gift to people. And I do classes every month. I have a Parenting Without Power Struggles podcast with wonderful guests. I have a Parenting Without Power Struggles membership program, as well as a Co-Parenting with a Narcissist membership program with Wendy Bahari. And basically, whatever I can do to spread the word about how we can break old patterns of parenting that we inherited that show up often, we're just like, we feel like we've been taken over or possessed, (laughs) the things that are coming out of our mouth or the things we're yelling, or we
1: can break those patterns. And that's sort of what I'm committed to in my work. I love that so much. But right now, you're really passionate about technology and helping parents be able to navigate technology challenges without power struggles. Can you talk a little bit about why you're so passionate about that topic right now? So I really didn't
0: mean to be doing the summit I'm about to launch. I meant to be taking the summer off, to be honest. But I, as I started to hear about AI and a lot of very rapidly developing um, technologies, I realized, well, yes, we're talking about certain apps that might be good to protect your kids. But for me, I'm always looking at the root, at the, uh, the, the underbelly, sometimes the dark underbelly. What What is going on that so many adults and so many children are compulsively getting pulled into more and more of a life that looks like it exists on a screen and less a life that is counterbalanced by connection with humans in offline and playing outdoors and building and cooking and painting and dancing and just looking out the window at the clouds going by, which are all so vital to us kind of feeling good in our skin. I totally get the draw of technology and use it and love it. There's so much that's fantastic. But as I was seeing this sort of increase, and then we had um, even the Surgeon General come out around concerns about social media's impact on anxiety and mental health and depression, I just thought I'm going to pull some really wonderful researchers and clinicians and people in the mindfulness space and all kinds of diverse backgrounds to talk about their perspective on what the trend is and how we can kind of <laughs> ride the horse rather than the horse kind of taking us wherever it feels like going.
1: Mm, I love that. And in, in talking, how many experts did you end up talking to in creating this summit?
0: I think we've got about 22 just amazing okay. people. We've got Jack Cornfield and Trudy Goodman from the mindfulness community, Dr. Dan Siegel. I just had an amazing conversation with Dr. Kristen Neff on self-compassion, and Delaney Rustin, who did Screen Agers, Rick Hansen, and, and people who are from Common Sense Media and who are looking at the addictive nature. For some kids, they move toward addiction from the restart program. So it's a really diverse group, but all together, um, I think there's at least 21, 22 people who have contributed.
1: And as you had conversations with these people, I know when I do um, things where I bring people together, there tends to be some trends that you hear over and over again in some of the conversations. Were there any overarching kind of ideas that just kept coming up, no matter what field someone was talking from or what uh, background they were coming from?
0: One of the themes has been the role that parents play. I call it being the captain of the ship and the How vital that is. So, if I can just demonstrate something very simple, that's sort of one of the cornerstones of my work. Imagine my right hand is representing the parent and my left hand represents the child. When the right hand is above the left, it's not that the parent is better or more worthy of respect, but it's the the parent is what I call the captain of the ship. They're the grown up in the room, they're the one who ensures the safe passage of the ship through whatever storms and icebergs and rough waters. So children are deeply comforted by having a calm, present, confident captain of the ship. Now, that's easier said than done, right? The way it works is, you know, can I have chocolate ice cream for dinner, sweetheart? I know you love chocolate ice cream. And we're having, you know, uh, a casserole tonight. I hate your casseroles. They're terrible. Well, that's not very nice, you know. Well, grandma never makes casseroles. I like everything she makes. Well, you know, grandma just takes things out of the freezer, you know. So you'll notice that we drop from captain of the ship to this lateral position where nobody's in charge, and I call this the two lawyers. You're arguing, you're negotiating, you're bargaining, you're you're justifying. And we know what that feels like because most of us live here a good part of the time. And then it can get further where The child, in a sense, is calling the shots, you know, you're the meanest, dumbest parent in the world. I hate you. I wish I could live with grandma or Johnny and his family. That's terrible. Go to your room. You're so disrespectful. You don't appreciate anything I do. And down here, we're the dictator. Mm -hmm. And I call it the dictator because you don't have any authentic power, just like a dictator doesn't. They rule by fear and intimidation. They wipe out your bank account or throw people in prison. So we know what it feels like to be here because we feel out of control, desperate, alone, unsupported, overwhelmed. In an effort to not have those awful feelings, we try and control our child. But being the captain isn't about control. It's about being in charge. So my work is really about helping parents be the captain of the ship. That's the simplest explanation. And if there were, were to be a theme... That keeps coming up in the series. It has to do with how can we inhabit this place in relation to our kids when the draw to be on this highly engaging and stimulating dopamine producing experience is pulling at them? How do we hold this place with love, compassion, and clarity so that we can set healthy routines and balance habits around technology, not denying it to our kids, but like? having the clarity based on the information that hopefully people are going to get from the series to say, you know, for you at this time, given what's going on, this is, this feels like a good limit. And I absolutely would understand if it seems unfair to you or really upset you.
1: You know, as you know, listeners to this podcast have children who have or have not been diagnosed with a, you know, neurodivergent disorder, you know, they're, they're neurodivergent, they have a diagnosis, they don't have a diagnosis, but whatever it is, they are a little more challenging to parent than your average bear. And um, in one of the things that I know, and that I've heard from autistic adults, I'm an ADHD adult, I is that electronics sometimes is a really great way for yeah. us to get our communication, our community, our support systems, whereas the real world, the outside world, the going to the grocery store, going to those sorts of things, that can be really overstimulating for us. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you guide parents? And did this come up at all in the conversations of how do you be that captain of the ship without falling into that I'm in charge dictatorship nice. how do you still how do you still stay in tune with what your child really needs and where they're at knowing that there could be more to the picture than just yeah. I'm drawn to electronics yeah well
0: i don't consider that pushback i think that's an excellent question that okay basically okay. We, ha- we customize how we raise every child. There isn't a one-size-fits-all, nor should there be, because what would the world look like or feel like if everyone was the same? We don't want that. We want all the diversity that makes this a, an, an amazing experience to be alive. And you're right. Yes, absolutely. There are some children who are more challenging to raise. And for those children, it might make sense that they have more time than another child would or that they have access to different platforms that you might not otherwise offer them. So it's not so much about how much time or which places or any of those things. It's just about you as the parent being clear and informed, which is why you know I know a lot, but I am learning so much from these conversations because there, there are many layers to it. And the, what I caution parents against or about is not just sort of falling over and saying, you know what, it's a done deal. That's all my kid wants to do. And it's the only way I get any peace. Now, for some parents, for a period of time, that may be the wisest thing they could do. Have at it, unlimited access. It is how we're getting through the day. Bless you. That's fine. I'm not- Because that's no not judgment.
1: really like they're- that's not really their biggest, um, as I describe it, a chaos causer is not maybe the electronics. Yeah, it might exactly. be something else yeah. that maybe they're they're overstimulated at school or they're really right. stressed out about something else. Yeah. And so electronics might be yeah. the way you're getting yeah. through things. Yeah. Um, I love that you mentioned that. I think that's so important. And I love that you said that it's not about a specific amount of time because no. in my work, what I've seen is parents get so stuck in fear. And you talked about how that, that being underneath is coming from a place of fear, but they hear all these things about addiction. They hear all these things about the warnings of it. And they say, well, fine in our house, we're only going to have 20 minutes and that's it. And I, you know, that's the rule we're sticking to it. Um, what would you say to a parent who comes to you and that's, that's their stance right now? I really caution
0: against rigidity being rigid does not, we have to be flexible. So when we look at the fear, yes, it will inform us. And of course, we need to keep our eyes open and be aware. If we have a child who seems profoundly anxious or depressed and the only thing they want to do is be on a screen, I would urge that parent to get professional support because that child deserves it and needs, you know, that could be seen as an announcement. I'm not comfortable in my skin. I'm having a hard time. I'm numbing out here. So don't ignore that. But on the other hand, there are kids for whom screen time, especially after a stimulating day at school, is how they regulate. They, mm-hmm. they get back into a, a regulated state. So it's not about the number of minutes. It might be that you sit with them or that you have shorter, briefer periods of time where they mm-hmm. play for a while so that they don't get fully bathed in a dopamine bat- wash. And they kind of have a rhythm of playing for a little while and then coming and helping you cook or, or chasing them around the yard or working on a fort. And then they go return if that if that's important. You might have a new baby or you might have another child who has some in, needs or isn't well. And then you're going to, you have to kind of be, be flexing to the situation. But I also um, urge parents not to allow fear to be the driving force of anything. Mm-hmm. So we want to, um, in my conversation with Kristen Neff, we talked about Being, starting with mindfulness, okay, I'm feeling nervous and anxious right now, just noting it, honoring it, being present. I'm feeling unclear. I'm being pulled in a lot of directions. I'm hearing so many things. I feel mixed up. And even being aware and present and kindly toward yourself in those moments, and maybe you put your hands on your chest, this is a a tough moment here, and you breathe with it and you're kind to yourself, and you recognize that you're not the only one. These are all practices that can settle us down so that we can approach the situation with greater clarity.
1: Dana here, and guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100% sure you're gonna love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks, I hope you're enjoying the show. I love that piece. I was going to ask you if there was any um, mindset pieces because, you know, as as you know, we were talking about my work on your podcast, yeah. and so that mindfulness piece, that you piece, is so important when you have that perspective. And so I love that you touched on that. Um, and the next piece I wanted to talk about is I know that you um, one of the big parts of the and you've talked about it a little bit, but one of the big parts of the summit is being able to stay connected as a parent yeah. and being able to, um, to keep that relationship really strong yeah. as you yeah. navigate technology. Yeah. Can you talk about yeah. anything that you could share there? I would love to. In the olden days, like 10 years ago, <laughs> parents were,
0: were teaching their children how to open a bank account and, and, bank, and do their banking and get a job and all kinds of things. Now it's in the reverse. you know a lot of times the technologies are developing so quickly that it's our children teaching us. That however, does not mean that our kids don't need that dependent relationship where they look to us still always for guidance, for support, for encouragement, for understanding, for all of those things that they can only get from their North star that that loving parent or guardian. Mm-hmm. So maintaining connection is the is the most important thing and I, I have borrowed from the beautiful work of Dr. Gordon Newfeld to look at the six stages of attachment that a child moves through in those first six years of life that are so deep and powerful and elegant and we of course keep recycling through those stages throughout our lives but proximity meaning our child needs to feel close to us in a physical way it's it starts out with an input through the sense through the heartbeat through our our voice and touch and smell around the age of two it it's sameness. So when we connect through sameness with our child, we look for things that we share interests that we have in common or passions or activities that we both like. And that's a way to keep connection strong. Belonging and loyalty, the third stage around three in the three-year-old, you see the child, you know, very possessive, like it's my mommy and, you know, pushing the sibling off their lap. And that's how it's meant to be as the child evolves in this process. But If we can continue to allow our child to tell us what's going on and be on their side, even if they've made a mistake, you know what, buddy, this was a tough one, and we're going to get through it. That fortifies connection. The fourth stage Mm -hmm. around the age of four is significance. This is how a child knows that they are dear to us, and it's not based on an accomplishment or how they behaved or any of those things. It's like That they feel that their just existence is a gift you know, I love mm-hmm. hearing you sing in the morning. I, I, I noticed how gentle you were with um, the puppies and, you know, just really inspires me to, to be the same. So they hear about their being, not about something they've done well. The fifth is love. So it's the way we look up from our device when they walk in the room, at least some of the time. And we, our face lights up and there's warmth in our voice when we say their name. That is a way we continue to feed connection. And then finally being known, which is from six on, that we make it safe for our children to tell us the truth about what they're going through, the truth about their struggles, and we manage, to learn to manage their the, the reactions that often interfere with that process. So connection, a child who feels deeply con- and safely connected with us, seen, enjoyed, celebrated, understood, will come to us and say, or at least respond in a more favorable way. If we say, sweetheart, it looks like the only thing that you feel comfortable doing is being on your game. I would love to hear more about what's going on with you. And then there's a softness and a safety in that so that Mm -hmm. they can say, well.
1: Yeah, I love that so much. Um, And so the next thing that I'd love to dig into a little bit, um, just kind of following this this path of, we talked about the mindset piece, we've talked about connection and understanding where this behavior is coming from and the root and the cause and like, why are kids so drawn to it? Why are parents so upset about it? Right? There's a lot under the surface on both sides here. And I know that you spoke with so many amazing experts about that. What are just a couple key points that would help parents have more understanding so they can have more empathy towards what's going on? So there's a
0: reward circuit in our brain. And the reward circuit is designed to keep you doing something that feels good, that produces dopamine, that sort of saturates our system with a pleasurable experience. We can't help but be um, moved by that. How can you not acknowledge the power of getting a point or getting a like or some kind of next level? And the more we can understand the, the dynamic of that, the less we judge it the more compassion. And and in some cases, we can even talk with our kids about, you know, the guys who design this game that you're having a hard time turning off are really good at what they do. And they get a lot of money. And sometimes they even get extra money when they design something that makes it even harder for a person to turn off the device or the game. They want you. And you can actually introduce kids to the idea of, advertising and YouTube and algorithms, I mean, depending on the child's age, I think watching the social dilemma film together with an older child is a great entree as well, so that we help children understand. Dan Siegel was talking about helping kids through, he's written a wonderful book called Brainstorm, that's written Mm -hmm. for teenagers. So understanding your brain and, and how it's inclined or predisposed to be attracted to the bright, shiny, stimulating, and Doing that without judging our kids for falling into the pool, the vortex, What it, it, it would be a miracle if they didn't. And so helping children understand the addictive nature, and then we have someone from Restart, which actually is a facility that works with young adults who have just lost their way. So there are people contributing some of the pragmatics and things to look for and watch for if a child only wants to, and they're skipping other activities, and they're not bathing, eating, they're they, they are turning down the activities w- that they used to enjoy, or they don't want to be with their friends in the real world anymore, mm-hmm. that we start paying attention to some of those um, perhaps warning signs. And again, with a child who's neurodivergent, those things might look differently. I think you have so much to offer in that area, Dana, to,
1: to help people kind of find the nuance here. But in general, yeah. those are some of the things. Those are some great um those are some great understanding pieces because when we just see it as defiance or we see it as my kid is only doing this just because just to push my buttons, it's like, no, 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 hold on. Let's back up. There's a lot of science as to why your kids are seeking out electronics. Um, And even us as adults, I was thinking of my Duolingo app, how like I just kept getting drawn to it because it was like, you're on a streak. You're on a streak. I'm learning Swahili. Yay. Um, And then even right before this, I knew I had an interview with you. My daughter is homeschooling this year and she's doing a lot of her homeschooling online. And so we're using this one program called Dreambox for her math. And, And so she had to get a certain number right to be able to check off today's lesson and even I was like, we're going to get this right." <laughs> <laughs> like 15 minutes. And I was like, like, you have been working on this so long. And she just kept missing this one little thing. And I was missing it, too. And I felt like that old TV show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Because I was just like, what is going on here? Why can we not solve this? And finally, we got that green check. Because I was like, why don't we just walk away? It's totally fine. You've done 45 minutes of math. Like, you've worked a long time. She goes, because it's not going to count my points if I walk away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is that reward. It's so pleasurable. For you it is, it is, even when it's with math and even when you're an adult. Um no, so no, no. thank you for sharing that. I think it's gonna help a lot of parents who are listening to this. Um, and so let's just kind of continue on this vein of going through that, you know, your your own mindset, your connection, your understanding. And then finally that empowerment piece, um, I'd really like to talk about. We already talked a lot about the parent being the guide and the mentor and the one who's kind of saying, Here are my concerns, here's what we' What I think we should do, and here's, you know, I'm going to guide you through this. But can we talk a little bit about how electronics can be used as a tool? Did any of the experts? Oh yeah, that totally. Yes, yes.
0: And in fact, there's a one of our speakers is a psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Shimmy Kang, and she has a great model. She talks about the tech diet, and it's not a diet, meaning reducing what you take in, but it's that you know a diet in terms of the balance of the elements. So there's junk Mm -hmm. tech. And that's the stuff we don't want, porn, and it's, you know, the stuff that pulls you in and it it really robs children in particular, but all of us, of our sense of Mm -hmm. peace and well-being. Then there's the sort of snack tech. Those are just fun diversions. And then there's the really good stuff, the nutritional stuff. And those are, for instance, Khan Academy, K-H-A-N, is introducing um, AI-fueled, material that can custom tutor kids and identify concepts they haven't mastered yet and really create opportunities for engaged learning that are based on where this child still is lacking in certain skills. Um, I think that social media for older children, I don't think it's a, a healthy thing for young kids. I think you can't just turn a child loose in, in that wild west. But mm-hmm for kids to be able to connect with people they might otherwise never meet, and particularly kids who are a little bit atypical or a little quirky, a little different, to find their people where they aren't in an environment where they meet them in real life. There's certainly, um, I think it was Dan, somebody was talking about how certain, there's evidence that certain surgeons are more skillful if they did, uh, because of their hand-eye coordination developed by playing video games. So there's so much to learn there's you know you can be so creative you can make music and art and write and so i i again it to me it's overall an incredibly positive addition to humanity and we have to keep our eyes open and not um, look away and just sort of leave it at that because for some children in particular and teens it can introduce elements that really move them off mark and compromise their development
1: Mm, I love that. Um, so many good points. I think there are so many positives to electronics. So I struggle with this. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of like time restrictions in our house because we know that they are able to do certain things and they are able to turn off when they need to. Right. They're able to go and play outside and do these other things and use it for community, use it for creation and those sorts of things. Um, but at the same time, I I'm still like, okay, but there's there's still a point where we have to help kids be able to figure out this is enough. This is not enough. This is healthy. This is not healthy. Um, So I love the points that you just brought up. I'm curious before we kind of wrap up here, I've got a, a couple more questions, but I am curious if you could only sit down with a parent and they are just at their wit's end with their kid trying to figure out electronic struggles and you only had Five minutes with them. What is the one thing that you want them to hear about electronics, about tech, with their kids?
0: Honestly, this may not be what you expect. But if I had five minutes and a parent said, "What is the one thing I can do to counterbalance um, what I think might be going on with an overdependence or reliance on technology in my youngster?" I would say, "Hang out with your child. Spend time with them." play, build a tower, bake a cake, chase them around the yard, or just listen, cuddle, depending on that child. To me, connection and that parent-child attachment
1: overrides. It's the the big piece. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And then is there anything I didn't ask you about this topic? Because it's so important to you. Is there anything from your heart that you want to say or share that I didn't ask you about?
0: Oh, my gosh. There's, thank you. You've done a beautiful job of asking me a lot of really great, great um, and varied questions. So thank you. There's a lot more. There's there, there are so many aspects to this. For instance, how do we work with a child when it is time? We have decided with our clarity, with the big picture in mind that it is time to turn things off, that, you know, we'll be talking with some of our, our people about how you navigate that. Disappointment and frustration, anger, sometimes rage. Years ago, I remember um, I was working with a family and the teenage son, and this was before many many technologies were developed. Who's who realized that the youngster was just whatever the video game was, completely reliant, wasn't wanting to go to school. And when they did call it, you know, a break, the kid, you know, punched a hole in the wall. So that we have to be prepared for how we work with a child if we've decided, you know, we have kind of let this go. Um, So I think that's a really an an important aspect of all of this, The, the ability to be fearless. And it starts with, again, the inner work, the deeper work, which is if we need our children to like us or approve of every decision, we can't parent them. So it takes a lot of bravery sometimes to make choices that we believe are in sync with what's best for healthy development for our youngster even at the cost of their upset but we may also need help i wouldn't just leap in and cut everything off you know it's a very subtle process but um and i think you know knowing what guidelines like we have merv lapoos from common sense media talking about age appropriate the introduction of when when and how do you introduce platforms so it's a Really big topic, and I still feel like we could have another 20 speakers and not cover everything.
1: Yeah, so that that brings me to my next question is we've talked, we've kind of teased out this idea that you're having this amazing summit with these phenomenal speakers. Can you tell everyone where they can learn more and just yeah. a couple of things that you're really excited about yeah. for them to get at the summit? Um,
0: it's SusanStiffelman.com slash TechWise, T-E-C-H-W-I-S-E. And uh, it's, a, it's a simple sheet that just gives you the layout in terms of the rundown of the speakers and a few key points. It's free. The event will take place September 12th, 13th, and 14th. So we encourage people not only to show up and attend you can sign up and watch the recordings for a, a period of time and, and please to tell friends, tell the parents in your community. And in terms of what people are going to come away with, I think the biggest one is confidence and clarity. These things are this is a complex, very complex topic. And there isn't one answer as we talked about at the beginning, particularly when you have a child who's a little you know has their own unique needs that may not fit the cookie cutter. But the more we know, the more confident and clear and compassionate we can be as we sort of figure out what is right for our family.
1: That's wonderful. And I believe this episode is going to be live about a week before the summit. And so I believe that if you're listening to this right now, we're going to put the links in the show notes and all those things. We're going to make sure that you can head on over to the TechWise Summit. I am super excited. I've seen the list of all of the amazing speakers that Susan has ready for us. Um, I know I'm going to be checking it out Because this is, like she said, such a complex topic. So, Susan, thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been such a fascinating conversation about such a really important topic. And so just one more time, guys, if you are struggling or wanting to know more information about how to raise your kids in a digital time and be able to get a handle on technology in your family and be that captain of the ship while still being really compassionate and in tune with your kids, um, head on over to stiffleman.com forward slash TechWise, right? That's right. Thank you so much, Dana. Awesome. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Until next week, I will talk to you guys later. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.